This is my Bible. It is the Word of God and the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am. I'm seated right now in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in the place of authority, dominion, and power. I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine. And I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. The day my mind is alert, my spirit is receptive as I am taught the Word of God. My life is changed for the better and I will never be the same again. Amen. You may be seated. And as you're being seated, if you would, turn in your Bible to Isaiah chapter 53. Now, we've been in a series on the miracles of the New Testament, walking through the Gospels, miracle by miracle, seeking to understand and to learn from the patterns and principles of these miracles so we can apply them to our lives. Then after that, we're going to go to the book of Acts. But after last Sunday's message on Jesus and the fig tree, before we get to the end of Jesus' miracles in the Gospels, we're going to pause briefly and learn about our twofold redemption. And this answers how and why miracles occur. Now, it's important that you see certain things from the Word of God for yourself. And this is why I've encouraged you to get a Bible that is yours. Praise God for the technology when it works, when the electricity is on and the Wi-Fi works, but you can't count on any of that. And I know it makes me sound old-fashioned, but I believe it's important that you have a Bible that is yours, that you read with, you study from, you meditate upon, that you mark up, that you write in, that you write notes in, that you bring with you and carry to church, that your children, if you have children, if you have a family, they see that that's your Bible that you use and you you mark in and you study in, and then maybe in there you have your list of the things that you're believing God for. And then the nice thing about that is that if there's a day and the electricity's off and the internet doesn't work, uh, you, you can still spend your time with the Lord. But part of it, too, is that there are things that you need to see in the Word of God for yourself. Too many believers are of the mindset that it's no big deal for the Lord to forgive and the Lord to save, but that it is a big deal for the Lord to heal. And that is a wrong mindset. Right now in Christendom, in the West, there's a whole segment of the body of Christ and they, they believe and they even do conferences and they even do books and they, they, there's even a recent film that they did about how God doesn't do anything today that there's no Holy Spirit today, that there, is, there are no miracles today, that there, there are no gifts of the Holy Spirit today, that the last miracle that happened happened in the book of Acts. And that's wrong. But when you're of that mindset, you are greatly limiting what God can and wants to do in your life. And there's a wonderful example in the Gospels in Mark chapter 2 so I want to take you there real quick. This is early in the ministry of Jesus. 
There's a man that is paralyzed. His friends, in getting the man to Jesus, the house in Capernaum was full. So you know this story. They, they take the roof off, they lower it down into the house, and the religious leaders were there. And it says, verse 5, Mark 2, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. And the religious leaders were offended and they were upset, but the Lord knew what they were thinking. Verse 9, which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. And then Jesus then demonstrated the authority that he had, and the man was healed, and the man went home healed. But to the religious leaders, they were of this mindset that healing's one thing, but the forgiveness of sins, that, that is a difficult thing. But today, this has been completely reversed because of religious teaching and religious thinking in the body of Christ. And you have many Christians, and they're, they're like these religious leaders, and they have a wrong mindset, but it's reversed. And to them, it's no big deal for sins to be forgiven. It's no big deal for somebody to be brought into right standing with God. But it is a big deal for the Lord to heal. But if you look at Mark chapter 2, either is no big deal for the Lord. This man went home forgiven, and this man went home healed. And this is an example of today's message title, and that is our, our twofold redemption. What Jesus did for us is not just spiritual, it is physical. And it includes with it both the forgiveness of sins and the healing of our bodies. And this man in Mark 2, he was forgiven and he was also healed. He was a cripple. He was a paralytic. This was a hard case. But God wants to do both in our lives, to forgive and to heal. And Jesus paid the price for both. The miraculous is for today. And the gifts of the Holy Spirit are for today. I know I've mentioned in the last month that I was just a little guy, probably seven or eight, maybe younger, when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We find out in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 that the Holy Spirit distributes the gifts severally as he wills. The gifts are wonderful, and we should want them. Paul says that we should even eagerly desire the greater gifts. And if you read 1 Corinthians 12 and 13 and 14, you find out that everything that we do when we gather together should be done with the motive of love. And that, that's why we should want to see God move, because we love our family in the church, and we want to see God move in their lives. But the reality, day by day, week by week, month by month, is that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are not always in manifestation. So day by day, we have to learn how to walk by faith. Day by day, we have to learn how to walk by the Word of God. And this is important because the Word will work anytime, any place. And the Word will work for everyone. You hear us say it all the time that the Word works. We just have to work the Word. Praise God for a wonderful service in which the presence of the Lord is strong. Praise God for a wonderful service in which there is a gift or moving 
or manifestation of the Holy Spirit. But no, no matter how wonderful any one service is, and in history, no matter how wonderful any move of God is or any revival is, at some point, the service comes to an end. And Monday morning comes. And when you wake up on Monday morning, day by day, you have to walk by faith. Day by day, you have to walk by the Word of God. And this is so important in living the Christian life and living a life of victory. We can receive, of course, when God moves, but we can also receive by faith. And I mentioned that, what Jesus said to that father in Mark chapter 9, all things are possible for him who believes. And that's true when we work the word. You might say, Austin, you know, we, we've been dealing a lot with healing. I'm well. I don't need a healing. When are we going to deal with something else? Well, this is important not just because there are those among us who are fighting the good fight of faith. This is important because there are times in life when we face challenges in our physical bodies. And so we have to feed on the Word of God concerning healing. You know, it's, it's sad to hear about some of what goes on or what people face in their bodies, but the reality is we live in a sinful, fallen world. The reality is that our government and these companies, they're, they're literally poisoning people with the food. I don't want to get off on a tangent, but this is part of living in a sinful, fallen world. And so there are times in life when we face things. And so it's important to know what the Word says. Related to the past few years, you've heard pastors say that if you got an experimental shot and you're suffering in your body, the answer is to have faith in God. And even if you didn't, you pat yourself on the back, all right, but still, you have to have faith in God because we live in a sinful, fallen world. So there are times in life when we face challenges in our physical bodies, and we have to know what the Word says regarding healing. Now, physically, if you don't eat food, your body grows weak and your strength fades. In the same way, if you don't feed your spirit man, the real you on the Word of God, over time, your spirit man gets weak and your spiritual strength fades. Now, I've only heard Kenneth, Hagen, or, excuse me, Kenneth Copeland tell the story, I think, once or twice. But when the Lord called him into the ministry, the Lord gave him a vision of people in a church, but not of the people physically. In the vision, he, he saw their spirits and their spirits were weak and emaciated looking. And the Lord said that they needed to be fed the word of God. And so when you don't feed your spirit, the real you, the word of God, your spirit, the real you on the inside gets weak and your strength fades. Now I know that the message today is not on gluttony, so don't, don't get nervous in the service. But we're Americans and most of us eat three meals a day. And some of us, those three meals, it could probably feed six people in another country. Now, don't get nervous. The topic today is not gluttony. But, right, we're Americans, and most of us eat three meals a day. Well, why not feed on the Word of God every day? You, you feed yourself physically every day. Well, why not feed yourself spiritually every day? You know, there, there's a term called hangry. You know, why are you irritable? Why are you cranky? Why are you upset? Well, you haven't had your coffee. You haven't had your breakfast. 
Well, how are you spiritually? You know, Jesus said we'd ask and receive and our joy would be complete. Yet out there, there's a lot of hangry Christians. And they're hangry spiritually. And they, they ask, but they don't receive. Their joy is not complete, so they're not joyful. They're hangry. And the reason is they're not feeding themselves spiritually on the Word of God. So you eat three meals a day physically. Well, why not feed yourself on the Word of God every day? By reading the Word and studying the Word and meditating on the Word, like that young man's testimony, listening to or watching faith-filled sermons. That's what Paul tells us, Romans 10, 17. Faith comes how? By hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And so you understand, Pastor, I, what we face is, you know, like I'm encouraging you, if you know someone and they're not here or haven't been here, you haven't seen them, reach out, encourage them to get back in the house of the Lord. But what we face is people do their, their thing, they're not in church, and then there's a problem, there's a challenge, and they want us to just lay hands on them or anoint them with oil to fix it. Well, there are some things that are only going to be fixed by you feeding yourself on the Word of God day by day. And then on Sunday, when we ring the, the dinner bell, or on Wednesday, when we ring the midweek dinner bell, you're, you're present to hear the Word. Because how does faith come? Faith comes by hearing the Word of God and hearing by the Word. And we could say it this way, faith doesn't come by having heard, faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing. So you've got to constantly feed on God's word to keep your faith strong. Satan's mean. He's not just a liar and a deceiver. He doesn't just steal, kill, and destroy. He's mean. He goes after the weak. He goes after low-hanging fruit. So you've got to get strong and stay strong. And if you'll get strong and stay strong, you'll avoid a lot of trouble in life. Jesus told us in John 16, he said, in this world you will have trouble. So the reality is the time will come when you need faith for yourself or faith for someone you love or faith for someone in your family. In the Old Testament, Jeremiah wrote in Jeremiah 15, verse 16, when your words came, I ate them. They, the rods of God, were my joy and my heart's delight, for I bear your name, O Lord God Almighty. So Jeremiah tells us that he, he would feed upon the Word of God. What you eat physically, it nourishes your physical being. And what you read and what you feed on spiritually, it feeds the spiritual you. And that could work for you or that could work against you. So you've got to feed on the Word of God constantly to keep your faith strong. And we should know and feed upon what the Word of God says regarding divine healing. Every answer we need is in the Word. We all know Mark 11, beginning in verse 22, where Jesus said, Have faith in God, for verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe ye receive them, and ye shall have them. We all know that. We all have that in our heart. But none of that will work if we ignore the next two verses. And the same Lord that said what he said in verses 22 and 23 and 24, he, he spoke the same words in verses 25 and 26. When you stand praying, do what? Forgive. Well, we don't always feel like forgiving. We don't always want to forgive. 
You know, we, we, we want to pray, Lord, take them out. You know, recently, in just the last few weeks, Dodie Osteen, Joel Osteen's mother, celebrated her 90th birthday. That lady is a living, walking, miracle testimony. And whenever anyone is fighting the fight of faith concerning cancer, whether they're a believer or not, we always recommend that people give that person Dodie Osteen's little book, Healed of Cancer. But part of her testimony, if you read that little book or hear her tell it in a video or a message, is that as she began to believe God, the Lord brought her under conviction, and she spent weeks writing little notes, making situations right, writing little notes, asking people's forgiveness. Say, well, we want to believe God concerning Mark 11, 22 through 24. What, what about what Jesus said next? And so in your life, if faith is not working, in your life, if prayer is not working, come to Mark 11, 25 and 26. When you stand praying, forgive if you have aught. That means a problem, a beef, an issue against anyone that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive you your trespasses. So th this is the only specific hindrance to faith Jesus mentioned. So this is important. And again, in your life, if your faith's not working, prayer's not working, begin here in verses 25 and 26. This is important because faith will not work when you have a spirit of unforgiveness about you. God's word is medicine. And God's word will bring health and healing to your life, to your body, and to your circumstances. God's word is medicine, and it will heal you. Proverbs 4, beginning in verse 20, says, My son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they, my words, the words of God, are life to those who find them, and health to a man's whole body. That means every part of your life. Spirit, soul, body. They are life to those who find them, and health to a man's whole body. Proverbs 4, verse 23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. So we've got to be careful about what we feed ourselves, and that's true spiritually. Jesus said in Luke 8, 18, Therefore consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more, and he, he, whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he, ha he thinks he has will be taken from him. So we've got to be careful what we feed ourselves spiritually. But we've also got to feed ourselves spiritually. And God's word is literally health to our bodies and health to our lives and life to our lives. God's word is medicine and it will heal you. Proverbs 4 verse 22 in the King James, they, my words, are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. One translation says, my words are medicine to all your flesh. For any effective medicine that actually works to do you good, you have to take it. And I don't have time for tell, tell stories, but you could ask Jessica after the service about our five children, and you could ask her to tell you stories about how each of them would or would not or refuse to take medicine. You know, and Emily's pretty good, but the last few days she's been putting up a fight. But if medicine works... For it to do any good, you actually have to take it. 
You know, just the other day, I, I was helping Jessica, and so I was picking up while she was gone, and, and I, I found some medicine that she thought one of the kids had taken, and they had stuck in the couch. <laughs> well, you know, I wonder why the fever's not going down. They, they didn't take it. You know, they, they, you know they, they made it look to mom like they were taking it, and they didn't take it. And so for medicine to do you any good, you have to take it. Well, God's word is our medicine spiritually, but for it to do us any good, we have to take it. You know, when I, when I was a child, I didn't want to take my vitamins. And, and Pastor Sue will deny this, but once or twice, we talked her into buying the Flintstone vitamins. Now, those I would eat. You know, once or twice, Jessica's gotten me the little, you know, kit, you know, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You know, Austin, how are you doing taking your vitamins? Not so great. But for those vitamins to do you any good, you actually have to take them. Well, the same is true with the Word of God. For the Word of God to do us any good, we have to take it. We have to feed upon it. And we ought to take the medicine of the Word of God daily. Isaiah 53. Let's go ahead and go to Isaiah 53, beginning in verse 3. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and we hid it, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he, referring, prophesying about the Christ, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Now, we're not going to get into 1 Peter today, but you know 1 Peter in the New Testament quotes this in the past tense, that by the stripes of Jesus we have been healed, meaning it's done. It is finished. We're not waiting on the Lord to do something on our behalf. Why don't we say that? Say, by the wounds of Jesus, I have been healed. Say it this way. Say, by the stripes of Jesus, I have been made well. Say this, say, I am the healed of Almighty God. Now, Isaiah chapter 53 is the key to our redemption, both spiritual and physical. It is our twofold redemption. I love what F.F. F. Bosworth says. He says that Jesus Christ went to the cross, spirit, soul, and body, to redeem us, spirit, soul, and body. Praise God that our sins have not just been forgiven, they have been remitted, not, not just wiped away, but literally canceled out as if they never took place. And praise God that we're forgiven, we're born again, we're in the family of God. But Jesus didn't just pay the price for us to be forgiven of our sins, he paid the price for us physically that we would be healed and made well in our bodies. Say this, say, Heavenly Father... I thank you that I'm just as healed as I am saved. Say this, say, I thank you, Heavenly Father, that I'm just as blessed as I am saved. You know, sometimes you might hear, Pastor, I use the, the phrase, full gospel. What does that mean? You know, and sometimes denominational people get upset about that. What does full gospel mean? Well, it, that's what full gospel means. That Jesus, as F.F. Bosworth says, he went to the cross, spirit, soul, and body to redeem us, spirit, soul, and soddy. 
that yes, that includes the forgiveness of sins and our salvation, but it also includes the totality of our lives. Physically, yes, and in terms of the blessing of the Lord that we walk in like who? Father Abraham. Isaiah chapter 53 is the key. The fourth verse in the Hebrew reads, Surely he hath borne our sicknesses and carried our pains. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. In the 10th verse of Isaiah 53 in the King James, it reads, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. The word translated grief, which mean, you know, leads us to believe that it means sorrow, like let me tell you about my discouragement or my sad tale. The word translated grief is actually sick or sickness. You know, when, when a translation is done, every translation has its strengths, its weaknesses, but every translation also reflects the, the background and do it a little bit, because again, people are not perfect, the background, but also the theological beliefs and prejudices of the translation committee. And so in Isaiah 53, when modern English translations translate that as grief or sorrow, that's the bias of the people doing the translating, because that same word in the Hebrew, nowhere else in the Old Testament is translated that way. So this is important to see in the word of God. The word translated grief actually means sick or sickness. The Hebrew Bible literally reads, he hath made him, who? The Lord, sick. That's on our behalf. Now Jesus never sinned, and he himself was never sick, but he took our sins upon himself. He took our sicknesses upon himself, and he paid the price that you and I deserve to pay. All that he did, he did for us. Now just so we can't mess this up, and this again is why you need a Bible that is yours so you can see it for yourself, Matthew 8, 17 in the New King James reads that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Somebody might say, oh, Austin, I just, I don't believe that. I, I don't believe that what Jesus did includes healing. I, I don't believe that Isaiah 53 also refers to the healing of our bodies. Well, see, just so we can't mess it up. You know, as Peter says, that, that men of old were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Just so we couldn't mess it up, the Holy Spirit inspired Matthew to write Matthew 8 and verse 17. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, he himself took up our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. So in Matthew's account, Jesus doesn't just heal the sick. He heals all who come to him. And then Matthew writes that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, he himself took up our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Say it again. Say, thank you, Heavenly Father. I'm just as healed as I am saved. Say, thank you, Heavenly Father. I'm just as blessed as I am saved. And so, again, don't, don't take my word for it. Take Matthew's word for it. That Isaiah 53 includes in the atonement the healing of our physical bodies. 
Isaiah 53, verse 4 in the King James, Surely he hath borne our, and again it says griefs, but it's sicknesses, and carried our sorrows. Again, the Hebrew reads, He hath borne our sicknesses and carried our pains. And not just emotional pain, physical pain. And anyone that has ever suffered with physical pain will tell you how terrible that is. He hath borne our sicknesses and carried our pains. Matthew 8, 17 says, He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Dr. Robert Young, who wrote the Young's Concordance, translates Isaiah 53 this way in his literal translation. Verse 3, He is despised and left of men, a man of pains, acquainted with sickness, and as one hiding the face from us. He is despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely our sicknesses he hath borne, and our pains he hath carried them. And we, we have esteemed him plagued, smitten of God and afflicted. He is pierced for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace is on him, and by his bruise there is healing to us. We could say it this way, that, that by his bruise, by what he did, by what he suffered, he made healing available to us. And somebody, I think most Christians would be of the agreement that it's easy for someone to get saved. Well, why aren't we of the mindset that it's easy for someone to get healed? Say it again. Say, thank you, Heavenly Father, that I am just as healed as I am saved. None of us have ever been talking to someone and they, they've let us know that they, they want to give their lives to the Lord. And we paused and said, I, I don't know. That's a hard thing. I don't know. Let me pray about it a few days to see if it's the Lord's will for you to be saved. None of us would do that. Even if you've never led anyone to the Lord, none of us would do that. So why do we act that way when it comes to healing? Well, why do we think that what should be easy is hard? Say it again. Say, thank you, Heavenly Father. I'm just as healed as I am saved. The 10th verse in Young's Literal Jehovah hath delighted to bruise him. He hath made him sick on our behalf. Praise God for it. Verse 12, with transgressors he has numbered, and he the sin of many hath borne, and for transgressors he interceded. And Lesser's Jewish Bible, which for a long time was the only translation accepted by Orthodox Jews, Lesser wrote, translated, verse 3, he was despised and shunned by men, a man of pains, acquainted with disease, and as one who hid his face from us, we despot, he was he despised, and we esteemed him not. But only our diseases did he bear himself, and our pains he carried, while we indeed esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Yet he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement for our peace was upon him, and through his bruises was healing granted to us. Say, say this, say, thank you, Heavenly Father, that healing has been made available to me because of what Jesus did on my behalf. You might say, well, Austin, how do I receive? Romans 10, 9, and 10. Confess with your mouth, believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth, believe in your heart. Confession is made, Paul tells us, confession is made unto salvation. Well, the same thing that works to be saved is the same thing that will work to be healed. Confess with your mouth, and believe in your heart. And for us, 
We've we got to set some of that religious baggage aside. We've got to set some of those religious cl cliches aside. You know, things people hear. God gives his toughest battles to his toughest warriors. Show me chapter and verse on that. We come up with social media cliches that'll make us feel better, that will sound cute on Instagram, but have nothing to do with the Word of God. And so what we have to do is go back to the Word of God to find out what it says, believe we receive it, and then walk in it. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. And Paul tells us confession is made unto salvation. So why not make confession unto our healing? And you might say, well, Austin, I've been fighting the good fight of faith. What do I do? You got to keep fighting the good fight of faith. Just like tomorrow you're going to eat, right? Unless the Lord has moved on your heart to fast, you're going to eat. Probably going to eat twice, maybe three times. Maybe you're like Emily and Julie and you, got th you need three meals and 25 snacks throughout the day. Well, confession is made unto salvation. Confession is made unto healing. So you got to feed on the word of God. Got to take your medicine. Got to take your vitamins. Confession is made unto salvation. Confession is made unto healing. Confession is made unto prosperity. Got to feed on the word of God. Got to take your medicine. Got to take your vitamins. The cause of all disease and sickness was laid upon Jesus, just as the cause of all sin was laid upon him. Praise God for our twofold redemption. Rotherham translates Isaiah 53, verse 10 this way, Yet Yahweh purposed to bruise him. He laid on him sickness. Now, every Christian denomination believes the portion of Scripture in Isaiah 53, verse 6, where it says, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. I cannot, I'm 41, I don't think anyone has ever come to me and said, Austin, you know, I came to church, I walked the aisle, I prayed, or this happened, or that happened, and I asked the Lord to forgive. No one has ever come to me and said, Austin, I don't think the Lord has forgiven me. See, in our minds... It's an easy thing. But just as much as we are saved, we are healed. And just as much as we are saved, we are blessed. Christian denominations have no trouble believing Isaiah 53, verse 6. Well, why not believe all of Isaiah 53? If we're going to believe verse 6, why not believe verses 4 and 10? 2. Why not believe verses 4 and 10 just as much as we believe verse 6? Isaiah literally wrote, He hath borne our sicknesses and carried our pains. That's the literal of verse 4. He hath borne our sicknesses and carried our pains. Say it again. Say, thank you, Heavenly Father. I'm just as healed as I am saved. If I can believe the word of God regarding forgiveness and salvation, why should I have trouble believing God or his word regarding health and healing? It's all in the same chapter. And just to illustrate it for you, I took you to Mark chapter 2. And Mark chapter 2, it's in the same chapter. He says to the man, your sins are forgiven. The religious leaders are outraged. 
And the response of Jesus is, guys, if you thought that was neat, watch this. Or if you thought that was offensive, watch this. Get up, pick up your mat, go home. As if it's no big deal, because it's not. The same God that paid the price for you to be forgiven and saved paid the price for you to be healed and made well in your body. It's all in the same chapter. It's all in the same chapter in Isaiah 53, and there are countless examples of it all being in the same chapter throughout the Bible. Say it again. Say, Father, I thank you. I'm just as healed as I am saved. The challenge is never with God. And again, I know, you might say, well, Austin, what about this? What about that? What about, have you heard the, have you sto- heard the story of Sister Sally or Brother Fred or whoever it is? The challenge is never with the Lord. The challenge always rests with us. Too often when we ask for prayer, have hands laid upon us, we're not ready. We don't have enough word in us. Or we've been taught wrong and we're looking to man and not the word. Too often people want help their way, on their terms, on their timetable. They're not surrendered to the Lord. They're unwilling to do things his way and his timing. Or they're unwilling to address hindrances like disobedience or not walking in love or unforgiveness. Austin, pray for me. Before I do, is there someone's forgiveness you need to ask? We, we'd have, if we had prayer time, so, you know, if you need prayer, come forward. And then with the mic still on, before I pray for you, is there someone's forgiveness you need to ask? We'd have people upset with us. There'd be Google reviews this week. I, I wanted prayer, and he wouldn't pray for me before I went and asked someone's forgiveness. But see, this is part of why we get the results that we get. Because there are hindrances, there are obstacles, there are things that the Holy Spirit is convicting us about and dealing with us about, they have to be dealt with. Anyone can be helped, but people are not always ready for help. And we, when we pray for people before they are ready, we don't help them. In fact, we push them further away from God. Too many full gospel believers and even ministers ignore 1 Timothy 5, verse 22, which says, do not be hasty in the laying on of hands. Now, I don't talk about it much or brag about it much, but I did go to school. I went to school for a while. It took me longer than my father, I'll admit that. (laughs) And someone might say, well, Austin, what is the deep, mysterious meaning of 1 Timothy 5, verse 22? You know what it means? Do not be hasty in the laying on of hands. You know what it means? Do not be hasty in the laying on of hands. You know, growing up and going to all kinds of meetings, all kinds of full gospel meetings, I always saw seasoned ministers give invitations as led by the Holy Spirit for specific things. Whether Kenneth Hagin Sr., Dr. Fred Price, all of them. Specific invitations for specific things. I cannot think of a single example where one of those great men or even great women like Marilyn Hickey ever said, I'm going to pray for everybody. Because they know what the word says. Do not be hasty in the laying on of hands. When we lay hands on people before they're ready, we don't help them. In fact, we can hurt their faith. And this does great damage to the people of God. 
We need to first prepare for the laying on of hands or the anointing of oil or the prayer of faith or the prayer of agreement. And we prepare by hearing the word. We prepare by being taught the word. And I'll give you an example before we conclude. Look at Mark chapter 6 beginning in verse 5. People believe ridiculous things because of religion, but they, they haven't gotten into the word for themselves. Sometimes people are the mindset, well, if just so-and-so could pray for me, or if, if Jesus would just appear to me, and Jesus himself would pray for me. Well, we find out in Mark 6 that, uh, that that's not the solution. The solution is faith in God and faith in his word. And so in Mark chapter 6, beginning in verse 5, it says, And he, Jesus, could there do no mighty work. And where was he? He was in his hometown of Nazareth. And their attitude was, we know this guy. We grew up with this guy. Someone might have thought, I, I grew up with Jesus. I used to play with Jesus. Who does he think he is? And Jesus, in response to that attitude, said, Only in his hometown is a prophet without honor. Luke tells us that they were so offended by what he said that day and telling about how two outsiders to the covenant in Elijah's day, in Elisha's day, that they, they wanted to throw him off a cliff and murder him. That's how angry they were. Mark tells us, and he, Jesus, Jesus himself, he, Jesus, could there do no mighty work save that he laid his hands on a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. So what was the problem? See, religion would have you believe that, well, maybe that day it wasn't the will of God. Was that the problem? No. He marveled because of their unbelief. Why was he unable to do any mighty works or miracles? Was it because it was not the will of God? Was it because that God did not love the people in Nazareth as much as he did the people in Capernaum? Is that the reason? It was because of their unbelief. Now, what was the solution? Because again, God is good and God is gracious and God is wonderful and God, he wants us to receive. So what was Jesus' solution to this problem, to this dilemma? Did he lay hands on everybody? Did he encourage the people to go vegetarian for the next 30 days? Did he pour anointing oil on everybody? What was the solution? Well, Mark tells us, and he went round about the villages teaching. Well, Austin, I just want you to pray for me. Austin, I, you know, we, we, we deal with this all the time. Austin, it's an emergency. Well, come this Sunday and talk to you some. Now, I want, I want to just talk to you right now. People not in church, not, not in church faithful, hearing the word of God, what do they want? They want prayer. They, they want the quick fix they want a band-aid. But what is the answer? Romans 10, 17, how does faith come? Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. And just because you got the victory last year doesn't mean that there's not going to be any challenges or difficulties or obstacles or things to overcome this year. So we got to get strong and we've got to stay strong. And how do we do that? How do we do that spiritually? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So when Jesus faced this problem, what was his solution? Jesus, the son of God, 
the one who knows what the right answer is. He went round about the villages teaching. Well, pastor, I, I need to make more money. I, I need more money. I, I, need, I need a miracle in my finances. Did you come to the week of increase? Well, I, I, I couldn't. I was out of town or I had work or I had this. Have you listened to the messages? Have you watched the messages? See, we, we live in this society where we want a quick fix. We want a quick fix. My father's been rehearsing what John Osteen used to say. There are no shortcuts. Jesus went round about the villages teaching. How does faith come? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. You got to believe God. You got to know what his word says. And so my challenge to you, even if you're at a moment in life where you don't have anything you're believing God for in your health or in your body, you need to know what the Word says so you can pray for others, so you can intercede for others. I I'm fine. Besides taking my vitamins, I'm fine. But every day I'm praying for others. I'm believing God on the behalf of others. That's, that's part of who we should be as the body of Christ. But we've got to get strong and stay strong. Because just because there isn't a fight today doesn't mean at some point down the road there won't be a fight. And when the fight comes, you don't have time to go listen to 25 series. You don't have time to, to get in church 52 weeks in a row. You got to fight the fight of faith in real time right on the spot. So you got to every day feed yourself spiritually so you're strong, not weak. Bow your heads. You might be here today and say, Austin, you have preached about the goodness of God and what Jesus did, but I have not received that. Everything with God begins by giving your life to Jesus Christ, his son. The Bible says in John 3, 16, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. This world we live in, it will tell you that if you're just kind of good enough, a good person, that's sufficient to lie. The Bible says we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We're all in need of a Savior. His name is Jesus. This world we live in, it will lie. It will tell you that you can come up with your own path to God or there are many paths to God. That's a lie. Jesus said, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. He's standing at the door of your life and he's knocking. What you have to do is open the door and ask him to come in. If you're here today and say, Austin, that's me. I wanna ask the Lord to come into my life, to come into my heart. I want to give my life to him. If that's you this morning, wherever you're seated, raise your hand to where I'll see it and I'll know. You want me to pray with you? Say, Austin, pray with me. I wanna give my life to the Lord. You might also be here at a time in your life, you prayed a prayer, you walked an aisle, but you know in your heart you've not been living for the Lord, you have been doing your own thing and you have paid a price. The Bible says the mercies of God are new every morning. The Bible says that if we confess our sins, he's faithful, he is just to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You can have a new beginning. You can have a fresh start. 
His mercies are new every morning. If you're here today and say, Austin, that's me. Pray with me. I want to recommit my life before I go. That's you this morning. Wherever you're seated, raise your hand. Where I'll see it, I'll know you want me to pray with you. You might be watching, listening online now or later. Say, Austin, pray with me. Repeat this simple prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I repent of my sins. And I ask Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. Thank you for welcoming me into your family. Thank you for a new beginning. Thank you for setting me free of anything that would hinder me in living for you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're here in person and didn't raise your hand, but you know that was for you, or watching or listening online, there's an address on the screen. You can go there, fill out short form. Let us know you prayed. But we'll also be a blessing and send you a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, also a short book by my father called God's Very Own Child. It'll help you get started in living the Christian life. And you might say you wonder why Pastor and I do that, do our best to do that every week. Well, just last Sunday, finished the services, got to lunch and sat down and glanced at email and there there was a submission from someone here in the Metroplex, watching online, filled out the form to let us know that they prayed and they gave their life to the Lord. It's important, amen. Now, if you live here within like 40 minutes, you should be here, amen. But if you're in another state, as Joel Osteen says, find a good church with a good pastor who preaches the word of God, amen.